We live in a city. Still waiting. It's cool. We like living in a city. You could close the window. Oh, you definitely should do that. Hmm. It's really hard to close, yeah. Ready? Yes. Our mission, to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Make it so. Welcome back to the Next Next Generation Podcast. I'm Catherine. And I'm Charles. <laughs> and this is Season 1, Episode 8, Justice. Justice is this, served. <laughs> this is kind of our hot take. Yeah. I remembered the episode from the first time we watched it. Yeah. So I said, let's do it now. We just finished watching. Literally minutes ago, we just finished watching the episode. Yes. And unlike our usual routine, which is to wait at least a day before recording, we are right now in the moment getting into it. Yeah, because normally I need more time to think. Mm-hmm. But I remember this one. You remember the I'm one. I'm ready to go. Okay. Okay. The episode starts. It does. <laughs> They have just established a colony on a nearby planet, and then it cuts to they have discovered this other Class M planet, and they're investigating. Mm-hmm. And Riker and a few other people have already been down there, and they're coming back and saying it's wonderful, and there's talk of shore leave. First time we've heard of shore leave Yes, on the show. Beverly seems keen on getting some time to relax, mm-hmm. especially for Wesley's sake. Mm-hmm. They all need time. After settling the colonists in on the other planet, they're ready for some relaxation. Right. She points out that was not really in their wheelhouse to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's extra exhausting. And they're really tired. <laughs> and they need some time off. Yeah, she says she even wants some time off as yeah. well. Yeah, and we know she's not the type who would just be like lazy <laughs> and wanting time off all the time. So it starts with the very little introduction from Picard's captain's log. Mm-hmm. And then... We hear, like, they're so wonderful on this planet, and cut to Riker coming back with a huge grin on his face. And then Jordy explaining that they're very free with their lovemaking. Yeah. We didn't need Jordy saying that. You could tell from Riker's expression that he had quite the night. We get it. And it was really funny because he's just... Looking so pleased with himself. And then they're like, it's so wonderful on the planet, blah, blah, blah. And Beverly is like, sounds wonderful for the children. <laughs> what a cut. I thought that was so funny. She has no idea what's going on. So she's just clueless to the she's whole. She's clueless. She's just like, this planet sounds nice. It's beautiful. It's beautiful the and people relaxing. People are nice. Mm-hmm. That's all I want in a shore leave. Not realizing that there's a lot of mm-hmm. kind of nod and a wink and a grin. Yeah. With Jordy saying it out loud, too. She's just not thinking about that or maybe thinking that they don't have to be part of that. I picture her as one of those people who likes to lay by the pool and read a trashy novel on vacation. Mm-hmm. And that's all she wants. She just wants some alone time. I could see that. People need her a lot. So she needs to recharge from that. Get away. Yeah. Get some time alone. Yeah. Do mm-hmm. some quiet activities. Yeah. 
just check out. Don't you think so? I think so. Yeah, that's all she wants. Mm-hmm. So she's not paying attention to this. She just knows this is a planet where I can lay in the sun. Where all the other guys are thinking other things. Yeah. Well, everyone else, really. Yeah. Picard is like, okay, we just need to go down and investigate mm-hmm. with a few more people just to make absolutely sure it's good. Since this is a brand new planet to them, seriously, they don't know anything about it. Nothing. Other yeah. than it's a class M. Right. And it's Right, 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 right. Yeah. Populated. Yeah, but they don't know anything about this culture. They've never heard of it before. They have no records of it. I was surprised they were making contact when this was not a civilization that had means of star travel. Yeah, that was very clear. As much as a point as they made of the prime directive in this episode, yes, they didn't address their initial contact at all. They did not, and that seems to be pushing it. Perhaps we don't have the right understanding of the Prime Directive. To be fair, they never fully explained exactly what it is. Well, that's part of the lure of it, right? In the context of the show, and in the context of this particular season. In the grander scheme of things, I think we have a clear idea or clearer idea of how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Having previously watched the full season of Next Generation and a good bit of original series and Voyager. But that being said, in the context of the first seven episodes of Next Generation... We really have no clear conception of what the Prime Directive is and how mm-hmm. it functions. How I'm operating myself in my head, and I'm going to be wrong with this, mm-hmm. that they have to be of a similar development of technology mm-hmm. for the Federation to be making contact with them. They kind of swept it under the rug. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can rule out that the Edo contacted them. No, they would not have had the technology to do that. We really don't know that, though. Very unlikely. Their concept of God is in the sky, mm. and you're in the sky, therefore you're gods. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they could possibly have justified that then. I don't know either. They just really wanted them to interact with these people. I don't know. The writers did you mean? I mean, they being the writers. The Edo just were so unfazed by them, too. And I have more to say about that later. They're sending the second away team down to further investigate the planet. They are. Rubicon 3 yes. is the planet. So they notice there's something off their starboard bow. They don't know what it is yet. We know it's going to be important. They keep saying how this place is a utopia and a paradise, blah, blah, blah. And it's too good to be true. It is, people. Hello. It is. Let's be real here. We weren't surprised when it turned out the way it did. The writing was a little sloppy at the beginning. This was an episode that actually improved as it went on. Often, I found... In these Star Trek episodes. Yes. The original idea is very interesting and the original mystery is interesting. And then it devolves towards the end of, to being predictable and not interesting now that we know everything. Right. But this was a little awkward and it felt like they were so committed to this concept that they couldn't let it go, even though maybe they could have done it better. Yeah. But then they pulled it together <laughs> mm-hmm. and ended up being kind of an examination of some deeper themes. Which I liked. Yeah. What is justice? What is the right place of law? Yeah. And mercy. But at the very beginning with these sexual blondes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yet another planet alien race that's primitive. Yes. Relatively primitive. Human. And they're human. And I'm getting a little tired of it. How about you? Yeah. I'm pretty done with that. Pretty done. I think that. (laughs) We've established, in general, whenever they pick humans, it becomes 
too much of a social commentary on humans. Mm -hmm. I know the whole show is sci-fi and it's a reflection of humanity and it's an exploration of the values of humanity in that sense. So yes, it's going to be social commentary and that's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing. Great vehicle for that. But we don't want it to be about perhaps race in that sense. Well, they're presenting this planet that's a utopia with physically perfect people. That are all white. They're all white. And they're all blonde. This is like an Aryan utopia thing. It's very awkward. Some undertones best avoided. Rebon. She's very brave. I I think they did a pretty good job with her character, actually. Yeah, she acted it well. Yeah, she had some dimension. Unlike everyone else who was (laughs) pasty white and plain, like wallpaper. No, they were tanned. Oh, sorry. Tanned. (laughs) Like taupe wallpaper. Taupe wallpaper. Yeah, they weren't actually that exciting for a supposedly sensual group. You didn't buy the sensuality of it? I bought that they wanted to cuddle. I didn't see any wild, sexy times in the future. Fairly teenagery. Yeah, very much. Fairly awkward. Lots of heavy PDA. I think this is another example of Star Trek being like, this is a show for adults. Mm. Hide your kids. But not enough. But not enough? Well, the way they presented them, the way the Edo were, they're innocence and sexuality they would have been naked for sure for example oh okay but of course they couldn't do that right the constraints of tv Mm -hmm. why would they have worn clothes for example i guess it's like the greek tropes of the nymphs and the fawns they were naked right (laughs) (laughs) it's playing on those sort of elements definitely i really got a and i think i mentioned this to you while we were watching it time machine hg wells feel from it and he finds the two races Mm-hmm. One is eating the other, where he meets the Eloy, and they're also, to your point, naive, young, innocent. But they're also weak. They actually do come across as less than human intelligence. They do. They're more like dogs or something. Okay. Yeah. Or small children, he, yeah. he describes in the mm. book. Yeah, and it turns out that the Morlocks, the evil ones, right? evil with air quotes, okay? Yeah. I know you guys can't see that, are feeding them. For their own purposes. Like livestock. Uh, but it seems that they're the, actually the intelligent ones. So we don't have that in this story. But we do have the sentient interdimensional being who the Edo call mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. in the sky. And he could represent sort of the Morlocks in this story. The more advanced race taking care of the smaller. Does it extend to him eating them? Well, no. Not that we know of. <laughs> well, they did say they were somewhat fearful of him. And he displayed raw power. Yeah. As they described it, I think the analogy runs its course there. They get to the planet. They do. I have some quotes. Okay. I was more compelled than normal to write down direct quotes from this episode. You were on top of it today. I don't know why. Troy describes it as healthy sensuality. And they're all over them. Mm-hmm. Wanting to kiss them, say hi and stuff. Worf says, nice planet. Wesley says, uh, I guess, whatever you usually do. <laughs> Wow. That's a very funny set of reactions. Now, Riker, when they come back to the planet, acts like he hasn't already done it with some of these people. And he totally has. He definitely said something that said he had not had sex yet. Oh, really? He was like, I think they'll probably be willing. Very straight face. Like he had no idea. I thought he was referring to the rest of the crew. No, no. If you watch it, it, he's acting like he hasn't had sex again, for sure. Or hasn't had sex yet. He has. He definitely has. Well, yeah, he wouldn't have the reaction that he had when he first entered. I know. That's what I'm saying. If he hadn't had sex. Maybe it was just weird editing. They filmed that when he didn't know 
as much or something. Like when the actor didn't know. Right. The first time I've ever felt bad for Wesley. That's not, a statement. Not even when he is going to be executed. <laughs> <laughs> no, then too. But when he gets on this planet mm-hmm. and he knows they're all wanting to have sex. Mm-hmm, he does. And he knows, like, he's in this weird spot in his development where he's totally aware of people wanting to have sex, but isn't actually ready to have sex himself. Mm-hmm. And is very uncomfortable. Yes. And I felt really bad for him. Like, they put him in a really tough situation. I understand that Picard is trying to treat him as an adult mm-hmm. and is relying on him more in these episodes following the encounter with the Traveler. Yeah. So we're seeing him act on that, and he's trying mm-hmm. to put Wesley to the forefront, giving him more tasks, giving yeah. him more jobs to do. Yeah. So I understand his impulse on sending him on this mission. Picard should have picked up on Riker's not-so-subtle undercurrent. I just got laid. Well, just because they wanted to have sex with Riker doesn't mean that everyone on the planet is immediately accosting you in a sensual way like he didn't know that was the extent of it okay i could see that and like they could very well have had some kind of diplomatic contingent meet them and then they break up into different groups and then when they're hanging out casually and having a drink then it turns out like everyone is ready to have sex and he does know that Riker is a bit of a playboy. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was up to Riker to be like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is like their entire culture. Yeah. Of course, they do have children there, but, you know, maybe not the best place to send poor Wesley here. Because he's trying to be diplomatic in a totally adult context that he has no reference for. It was just awkward. And then when he does meet up with the other children, which, again, air quotes, they're not really that young. No. They act so infantile. They're, like, playing catch and trying to find a bat so he can show them how to play baseball. It's very odd. Awkward writing. Yeah. So they um, didn't know what to do with that whole scene sequence. Yeah, I wrote down, children are idiots on this show. They really They have are. no idea how to portray children, and especially teens. Children are quite smart. Yeah. They're basically many adults. They are, yeah. And especially once he's safely out of the sexual territory yeah the adults they should have just been acting normal talking not like hey let's go oh i can run faster than you oh like they're not five no they were acting like very young children yeah again seven-year-olds we've complained about this before and it's just very odd on this show they should have been conversing with him about where are you from what is it like on the enterprise tell us more about that kind of stuff they they probably should have been trying to have sex with him the girl did make a small salvo in that direction yeah but if that's her entire experience with how people interact with each other by her age she'd be having sex for sure the first time for these kids i'm sure seeing someone from another planet they didn't care they didn't they weren't curious that seems like a hallmark of this group no curiosity they're not curious because they're very calm about them being from another planet mm-hmm. even though we established they don't have the technology to be aware <laughs> of alien races right i thought they would have reacted more with fear and that was strange that would have been a fun reversal though to have the adults just be partying and having sex and the kids having the serious conversation where culture meets culture 
and navigating that. That would have been brilliant. Yeah, that would have been something different. That would have been really neat. Then you actually get to use his diplomatic skills. Yeah. Unlike what we yeah. actually got, which was, let's run. Look, I can flip backwards more than you. Yeah, that was stupid. So dumb. But yeah, that would have been fun. And they're more than old enough to have that kind of conversation. Yes. One other thing I want to point out to while we're on this topic sure. of the first part of the show. Mm. We'll get to the good stuff here in a minute. So Prime Directive is non-interference. Yes. Sexual activity, I would call interference. I agree. I don't have an excuse for the show on this one. You can't go around potentially crossing your races. And spreading diseases. And spreading diseases. Potentially. They well, could have wiped these people out for all they knew. Good gracious. Yeah. The lack of regard on that front, if they're so advanced, very shocking. Because there are diseases. They have established that through the need of that vaccine. Yeah. Millions have died. Yes. What if these people have something that doesn't affect them? What if these people have some new unknown disease that will kill the entire Enterprise crew except one person, you know, survives and makes it back and then keeps spreading it yeah. and they all die? They don't know. Very foolish on Riker's part. All of them. They shouldn't even be interacting physically. Let's see. Transporter has some sort of magical get rid of everything. Well, I think it does decontaminate, but that doesn't mean it's absolute. No, it doesn't. They could always encounter new things that their technology can't deal with. They don't show that enough, I think. Meanwhile, they realize more things about that object that was off the starboard bow. It's a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a whole ship that's kind of there and not there. Right. Stuck in between dimensions. That was really cool. And then it sends out a bubble. It does. Yeah. The bubble goes through their decks and comes to the bridge and shakes the place up. It literally. does. Leave my children alone. Shake effect, shake effect. Everyone um, stumbles to the left. Everyone stumbles to the right. Very the well shimmy. coordinated. Great stuff. Classic Star Trek. Uh, I wrote bubble with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. The watcher, I guess we'll call him. I said guardian. The guardian. Yeah. Species. Very zealous protective. Mm-hmm. I guess it parallels Beverly's story with Wesley and that it's a mother guarding her children, sure. looking out for their well-being. Sure. The guardian in the same way is watching over the Edu. Then it interfaces with data to learn a bunch of stuff. Also, it learns about the prime directive. We cut away with the interfacing with data. Mm. Worf is having a very serious conversation with Riker about how he can't have good sex with a human. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually some good warp development here. Yeah. Sets up the future because they do show this this interesting Klingon sex in the future. Very violent, aggressive, It's very primal. violent. It was quite a fun scene, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's something else. So that's something to look forward to. But they're definitely starting to have Worf be more of a main crew member. Yes. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Klingons um, are amazing. I had forgotten until we started rewatching how much I like Worf and how much more fun he is than Yar. As the security officer. Good times ahead. So this whole part is very predictable. Oh, yeah. They just figure out that these Edo, as cutesy as they are, will kill people who violate any law. They do. That's why they're so orderly. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's worth it in their society. And then, of course, they're like, oh, my God, Wesley, he's a dummy. He'll definitely break a law without meaning to. And then he goes and, and does, then he does break a law without <laughs> meaning to. Uh, good time. It would have been better written if he had just did it. And then they found out about the law because that he broke the plants. Yes. Having them foreshadow it and be like, oh, no, it's going to happen. And then it happens. 
Yeah. It falls flat. Much more dramatic to have him do it first and then they find out. It would have been better TV writing in general Mm -hmm. to have the confusion. What's going on? Why is everyone so upset? And you're more in his shoes. Yes. And then find out. Also, it would have fit better with the way they normally write the show, which is that you don't know more as the viewer than the characters do. Right. You're along for the ride with them. And that's when the show really shines. That's a strength of Star Trek. Yes. You're not yelling at the screen, no, just do that. It's so obvious because your knowledge is limited to close to what the characters know. But in this case, yeah, that was terrible. It would have been so much more interesting because you saw how Wesley reacted. He crashes into the greenhouse. His new friends are freaking out. And he says twice, I'm okay. Why are you guys so upset? Like, I'm fine. He assumes they're worried about him. He does. <laughs> Which makes sense because it's just plants. Yeah. It's just plants. And then, of course, we already know it's not just plants. It's a law. And that's exactly what they normally avoid. That we're smarter, if you will, than the characters because we know more. Right. It works better if we are in the dark. Mm-hmm. It's more fun. Mysteries are good. Yeah, we're learning alongside the characters. A lot of the episodes specifically have a mystery-like plot. And this one has the mystery of what's going on on the Enterprise. Right. But they're a little too expositional with what's going on on the planet. I agree. That could have been a time crunch issue, I think, because they really did do a lot in this episode. Maybe, but it still would have worked just fine. They just had to cut that one line of, oh, no, Wes is going to mess up. And it would have still worked perfectly well. Yeah, they could have had those people come. The mediators, is that what they called them? Yes. And then he's like, what's going on? And he's starting to realize. And then the rest of the crew comes and is like, Wesley, like, thank God we found you. These people are nuts. We have to get out of here. And then they're like, it's too late. He's already broken one of our laws. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah. Anyway, so they're ready to syringe him immediately. Oh, yeah. Like, they have no chill. Moment you break a law. You're done. You're dead. You're an example to everyone. Goodbye. They also mentioned that the zones were random, but Mm. then, of course, he's in the correct zone. Yeah, he's Wesley, babe. He's always in the correct zone. (laughs) Or incorrect zone, depending on how you look at it. Of course, they intervene to protect him and overpower the mediators. Yes. And then they say, is this how friends act? It's a horrible lie. No, it's not. It's how we act when you try to kill us. Right. They just expect him to take it. Yeah, they expected him to abide by what they would do. Yeah, because they all know the law. Oh. So they wouldn't break it by accident, probably. Mm. Although they do hint that this has happened before. That people break the law... Maybe not on purpose. Right. Because Rivon says later, you know, sometimes it does bring us sadness, but we still follow it, mm-hmm. which would maybe indicate people do make mistakes and they're still serious about it. Very serious about it. Um, Deadly serious about it. One interesting thing about the Edo as a culture is that they're way more self-aware than these other so-called primitive cultures. They are. That they have depicted recently. Even though, supposedly, they're the most primitive that we've met. They actually have no star travel or communication technology. So they're aware of their differences. They even question Picard, like, okay, you've had these laws in the past. Did they work? Were they thought necessary at the time? They get right into it with their philosophy of justice. They do. They're not confused or hesitant because of the cultural differences between them. No. The guy, Rivon's guy, I don't remember his name. The hunk. Is even sarcastic, like, oh, yes, go back and tell the story of this powerful being who outwitted this primitive culture, blah, blah, blah. That's pretty self-aware to be sarcastic about the situation. Yeah. It felt like a different episode when we got to that point. Maybe it was different writers. 
the way they've been acting up to that spot in the story mm. was very childlike, innocent, naive, throwing themselves at these strangers sexually, showing not a lot of eloquence in their speaking or anything like that. This happens, and suddenly they're talking about philosophy? It felt very out of left field. To me, it felt a little jarring. I can accept that they can understand philosophy. Mm. I can accept that they're naive, sexually active children. But to have them have both qualities was a, a bit too much for my disbelief. Well, first of all, this is when the episode kind of kicked in to being better. <laughs> I agree. But also, I thought it was more like they understand all these things. But everything is so well-ordered and perfect that they don't have to worry about it all the time. But that means they're never talking about it, so they wouldn't keep continuing to have an understanding of that level because you need to have the conflict to be able to talk about it. Mm. it. It will just pass through the eons of them not understanding it at all again if it's so perfect and awesome. Maybe they impress it on the kids, like they learn all that in school. That's possible. Yeah, because the kids do seem... Uninterested in sex, which we talked about. However odd that may be, perhaps when they're children, they have time to learn other things. I see what you mean, though. They just flipped a switch. To me, it was more like, oh, fun times are over. This is part of us, too. We also have a serious side. Maybe that's a problem with the writing is we don't get to see enough of the Edo in different contexts. Yeah. We just see one side and then a totally different side at a halfway point, and I wish that it was less stark. Let's talk a little bit about their sense of justice Mm. the Edo have a very strict code yes break the law you're punished immediately for it yes contrasted with the federation which seemingly are much more lenient very lenient they tend to want to evaluate each and every situation and to take into consideration a lot of factors through some form of advanced mediation come to a much more progressive resolution They don't have capital punishment anymore and consider it to be barbaric. The Federation cares a lot about the rights of the individual. They do. And they go to great lengths to make sure no individual's rights are trampled on or compromised. Mm -hmm. Where the Edo value the collective harmony that they've established. Yes. And I mean, to be fair, it's obviously working. It is. (laughs) It seems really harsh. It doesn't benefit every individual. Right. But overall, they have a higher quality of life. Yeah. The good thing about it is, like, even if we disagree with the Edo, mm-hmm. and I think we're meant to. I think we are. And, and we do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little too much. It's not so ridiculous that they don't have any ground to stand on. Right. It speaks for itself. They have a reason to believe that way. And it forces the Federation to think about, the representatives of the Federation in this case, to think about their rule and why they stick to it. And if they stick to it. Picard has to work out in his own mind how he's going to respond to this very difficult situation. Mm -hmm. He sits and thinks in his ready room about, am I going to defy their justice system? Mm -hmm. Am I going to break the prime directive by interfering with the natural conclusion of this trial? Am I going to think about Beverly Mm -hmm. and her needs as a mother and Mm -hmm. the interpersonal relationship that's between her and her son and also between him and Wesley that's developing this boy genius that he needs to protect and save, however we feel about that. Yeah, the baseball playing genius. Mm -hmm. And it takes him a while, deep consideration, to get to his conclusion, which is to save Wesley. He tries to explain to them and then he just does it. 
Like you mentioned, we're not entirely sure what the Prime Directive is. Right. We just have some idea of it. Mm -hmm. But one thing we have seen is that they don't seem that committed to it. (laughs) Yeah. It seems, from what we can tell, that it was made with a very idealistic slant. And when confronted with actual situations where it might apply, it doesn't work that well. No. Like, the people who wrote the Prime Directive never thought it would be between... Perhaps maybe they thought, oh, it will be between the Prime Directive and an accidental crew death or something. Mm-hmm. But they probably never thought, oh, it'll be between the Prime Directive and someone getting executed by this more primitive society. Right. I'm sure they didn't think of that. No. One more thing they have to consider now is that the entity, the Guardian, mm-hmm. interface with data. And now the entity understands their Prime Directive too. And now Picard's worried that the entity will judge them on their own law instead of just on the Edo's laws. Difficult situation to navigate. It's too it's too complicated, so he decides to go for a simpler approach in the end. He just acts and then sees what happens and, and then responds he says, to what happens. And then he says there can be no justice as long as laws are absolute, and the Guardian goes for that logic. Data and Picard have some nice moments. Great dialogue we, moments. We see Data being in charge of the ship. For the first time? Yes. Oh, no, he'd be a great captain. He'd yeah. be a fantastic captain. He should be number one. I think so. For sure. I think if he wasn't an android, he probably already would have been number one. Yeah, and had probably had his own ship. But because he is an android and he's unique in that way, and they're still getting used to him, I don't think the Federation is ready for him to have that sort of power. But then obviously Picard trusts him by letting him be in charge of the whole vessel. You're right, but he is only an honorary graduate of Starfleet. Right. They established that in the first episode. I kind of get the impression that more open-minded people in Starfleet have given him the chance to do different things, Mm -hmm. like culminating with Picard, letting him be, you know, second officer. Right. But it's kind of up to the individuals because society as a whole doesn't know what to do with him. He's obviously a species, even though he's not organic. Mm -hmm. If he were a whole planet full of them, it might be different. So that leads to our data of the day. It does. What is the data of the day today? I am not aware that I ever babble, sir. (laughs) which you know within a few minutes he's like you know i do babble i'm sorry i should stop babbling and picard is like no you know what you have a much better perspective than than we do and i shouldn't say that basically everything you have to say is valuable again very nice moments it's a great development for data he shows him deep Mm self-reflection he realizes that he is irritating everyone around him when he goes on his tangents as adorable and as amazing as they are one thing this show does fantastically is slowly grow Data's character. Yes. Like he is not, at the end of the series, the same person he is in episode one, season one. But they don't rush it. They don't. They really take the time and show him growing. One other thing I wanted to note yeah. was that they mentioned that this entity, Guardian, was potentially like them in the past, but mm-hmm. now had access to other dimensions. And that gave it more complexity and knowledge and who knows what else that they couldn't understand. They're kind of in the same position relative to this thing that the Edo and all these other people they keep encountering are to them. Yeah, I like that. Perhaps it decided to have mercy and be understanding because it was in a better place to do that from. In this case, they ultimately were kind of on the same footing Mm -hmm. as the Edo. They were more powerful, but they weren't more advanced philosophically. They were ultimately not able to stay in the high ground. Right. They had to just get in there and do what they had to do. But that being had mercy on them the way they are supposed to on others. 
And I think as much as Star Trek tries to portray them as these more advanced version of ourselves, we see time and again that they end up choosing to uphold values that we hold ourselves mm-hmm. today in our current society and that despite them being more technologically advanced, they're really on a very equal footing, I think, with our own time. Mm-hmm. By necessity, because they're written by our time. I agree. They're still human. They are. They haven't made some kind of leap onward, really, even though they, they kind of brag about themselves a lot. They have shown a few times now with this episode and then with The Traveler that, you know, these other beings that are still... Close enough that they can interact with them, have access things that they haven't yet. Particularly other dimensions. And that's just their writing choice for how to portray moving beyond. And that's also something they can't portray very well, so it makes it easy. How would you rate this episode? It started off as kind of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> the utopian society thing is just eye roll inducing for sure. No, not my favorite trope at all. It improved a lot as it went on. Mm -hmm. The Edo got more interesting, even though you found it an awkward shift. The mystery aboard ship was fairly interesting. A much better A and B plot. It had a smooth, like, cuts between the planet and the ship. Pretty well paced that way. So overall, I would probably give it 6 out of 10 poisonous syringes. So basically slightly better than average. Had some flaws, but picked up at least one point as the episode went on. Yeah, I'm really going to have to knock it for the opening half. I'm going to give it 5 out of 10 sacred flowers. Yeah, I was going to give it a 3 if it stayed the same as the beginning. Just been on the planet the whole time? Right. That would have been a bummer. The (laughs) fact that it did get better brought it up to a 5 for me. Okay. Beverly's reaction to Wesley being in peril. I thought that was really well acted. Oh, yeah. Very good acting, yeah. I thought Picard's thoughtfulness was great. Data being more developed was great. And Worf. And more Worf as well. Yeah. This has been Season 1, Episode 8 justice thank you so much for listening this is the next next generation podcast oliver hi oliver oliver is purring for your pleasure at home there hi oliver you want you want to say something about this episode you watched it right yeah what did you think you said there's not enough cats in the show well, they'll fix that eventually. Yeah, Spot. Spot is coming. I love Spot. I do too. He's not spotted. <laughs> he named him Spot. <laughs> so cute. Okay. Bye, Oliver. Follow us on Twitter. Add us at the next next gen.